Sox fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along my co-host, Eddie Jones, and we've got a good show for you this week. Uh, not too much action going on with the Ducks, but uh, some news about Corey Perry, uh, Soferberg, and some of the other players that we'll talk about. We'll also talk about uh, Frederick Anderson, and some news going on with the stadium as well as the season approaches. Um, the news that first came out this week, uh, Eddie, was uh, Corey Perry now joins the World Cup of Hockey Tournament as the 10th Duck player to be um, in the tournament uh, as uh, he's going to get ready for Team Canada and uh, play for them, and we'll see how he does. But uh, now we've got all the big guys playing for Anaheim, so it should be a good uh, tournament in the next couple weeks. Yeah, like uh, we're too, every week we seem to update and saying more and more of the, the core seems to be going to the tournament. And you know, last week it, it was Raquel, before that it was Lindholm, and now it's Perry. So, I mean, I don't think there's anybody else that, that could get invited, I think. I think we're at the the limit right now of guys that could go. So, uh, I mean, it's exciting, and it'll be nice to see, obviously, him go. I think we all thought he deserved to go um, when the roster was initially announced. Uh, so it's nice to see him uh, be able to go now and obviously play with Getzloff there and then to see the rest of these guys, you know, Silverberg and Raquel and Lindholm and Gibson and Vaughn and Kessler and see, see all them play during the tournament. But, I mean, it is still worrying to, to now have another guy to worry about that could possibly get injured um, at the tournament and, and, you know, to have, you know, the, the core, the set, like the core centerpieces of, of your team throughout, um, going to this tournament and risking injury. I mean, we we're going to move into it in a little bit, but we saw, uh, Anderson get injured in a, an Olympic qualifier and, and that wasn't even part of the tournament. You know, you still have the tournament coming up, so there's always a chance for that. So, you know, obviously it's exciting, but it, it's nerve wracking at the same time. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I mean, the Ducks have 10 players in there, uh, you know, all key players in the Ducks lineup, you know, offense, uh, you know, in net, defense, everything, uh, you know, big name players, obviously a couple of players that still need to be resigned, which we'll get to some more fan questions about uh, Raquel and Lindholm later in the show. But, uh, you know, the injuries is the biggest concern for me, Eddie. And like you mentioned, Anderson was injured. Uh, we put it out there on Twitter. We re- retweeted uh, Alex Nunn. He had the uh, the GIF video uh of the incident and it looked pretty bad i mean there's a collision in the net you see anderson lands on his shoulder uh we actually got the update today from uh darren dreger saying that you know he's going to be out three to four uh weeks and uh it, you know it looks like maybe uh he'll be ready uh according to the team he'll be ready uh come the season but uh you know kind of a worrisome thing there eddie i mean it was a, you know a big collision and uh he hit the ice pretty hard there yeah, and I think the most disappointing thing is, uh, at least for Leafs fans, and and I guess for for obviously for fans of Freddie and and who you know people who wanted to do well in Toronto, um, it wasn't a game that really didn't matter. I mean, obviously it mattered to the two countries playing, and it was it was a qualifiers for the Olympics, but in a game that really has no impact on the season, and it had nothing to do with with the World Cup of Hockey. You know, it's it's a blow for Team Europe. It's a blow, especially for for the Leafs, if you know if he's not ready or he's not 100% come the start of the season. I mean, yes, they they did sign Enroth, but you know the reason they made this trade was they were hoping that you know Freddie would start you know 60 games for them this season. So you know I, I you know they're obviously hoping that he'll be ready to go. Um, it's disappointing, like I said, to, to see that happen in, in a game, you know, that has nothing to do with 
the NHL or has it nothing to do even with the World Cup of Hockey. But, you know, injuries happen, and I think they, they just have to be lucky that it wasn't anything worse and that it is only three to four weeks. Yeah, and I have to agree with you on there because as soon as the injury news came out, of course, you know, everybody was chiming in, you know, oh, glad we traded him and, you know, glad this and that happened. But, uh, you know, I just hope that he is fine and that, you know, even though he's on Toronto, I know he's not a duck anymore. You know, I still wish him well and, and hopefully uh, everything will be okay. And, uh, you know, according to Babcock and, and uh, Toronto, it seems like things will be all right. So, uh, you know, with that, he'll be out of the tournament. Uh, the Ducks will still have their 10 players in there. Uh, the action will be coming up, and obviously the next podcast we'll be talking a lot more about the uh, the World Cup of Hockey as it uh, unfolds. And uh, some other news, too, that happened with the Ducks this last week. You know, a few uh, things came out towards the end of the week. Uh, more of a minor thing, but, you know, something that a lot of fans are concerned about, Eddie, is uh, the Wild Wingers Kids Club. Uh, they announced that Jacob Silverberg is the captain of this uh, you know, club that they do every year. They do events, um, obviously for the kids in Anaheim and Orange County area, and they're, everybody's worried about the curse, Eddie, because we knew what happened with Patrick Maroon last year. He got traded. We've seen other people get traded. So now that's the, the concern with amongst the fans is, you know, is Jacob Silverberg going to get traded? You know, I don't think so, Eddie. Uh, I mean, I know he's named the captain, but, uh, you know, I, I really think he'll break that curse. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll, st- uh, you know, I hope that he stays with the Ducks this season and, and years to come. Yeah, I, I mean, if maybe if it was Fowler, then you'd have some issues to worry if it was Dupree <laughs> or Stoner. But, I mean, the Ducks need forwards, and especially they need forwards who can, you know, who can score goals. And, and Silverberg is one of the few that we have on this roster that is a guaranteed 20-goal scorer right now. So I don't think there's any chance that he leaves, especially this season. I mean, he's 25, and he's signed for the next three seasons. So um, I don't think anybody really has to worry. I think the, the curse will probably end here. Um, but, I mean, if he gets traded, then I think we have to worry about, about there actually being a curse if, uh, if whoever gets named to the captain next after this. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think, you know, if, if that does happen, I, here's some ideas. I, I think the Ducks should just put Wild Wing as the captain. I mean, it is the Wild Wingers Kids Club. You know, put in him. He's not going to get traded. We know that. Or, you know, maybe pick a retired guy like, uh, you know, Tame Mussolini or something. I mean, something like that maybe is what the Ducks should consider doing moving forward, Eddie, because we know that those players and the mascot obviously won't get traded. Yeah, I mean, it, like you said, it's a Wild Wings King, uh, Wild Wing Kids Club. So I mean, it would make sense for Wild Wing to be the mascot or the the captain of it, and then you don't don't have to worry about players getting traded. I mean, it is maybe a bad idea to name fringe players the the captain of the Wild Wings King Club uh, Kids Club, as we've seen uh, for the last few seasons, obviously with Maroon and a couple other players. I mean, maybe if you name Getzlaff or Perry about uh, a captain of the club, nobody has to really <laughs> worry about it because there's no chance of those guys getting traded. So maybe maybe just poor choice of, of the captain or, you know, if, uh, if you decide to use uh, Wild Wing or somebody else, you can avoid that. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, we'll you know we'll see what happens during the season, but uh, you know I'm pretty hopeful that uh, Jacob will be safe. And you know that kind of leads us to some of our fan questions. We have a whole lot of fan questions uh, uh, as this uh, Labor Day weekend comes down to an end here, and uh, some of them pertain to Silverberg. Obviously, with this kids club thing, we talked about the curse already, and we had uh, 
Jared and uh, George asking some questions, and they're talking about Silverberg and you know uh, what kind of role will he have this season, and uh, you know how will he do. And you know, I think this goes back to some of our other podcasts that we talked about, Eddie. I, I think a lot of it really comes down to what Randy Carlyle wants to do with the lineup. Uh, if he wants to keep uh, the Kessler line intact with Silverberg and Cagliano, then I could easily see. Silverberg doing well next season and scoring, you know, I mean, obviously last year he had the breakout, he had the 20 goals, you know, maybe this season uh, he can get 20 plus and and do well again. And I, I think that's what we got to expect with him, uh, you know, especially if he stays on that line. Yeah. And, you know, he's played, you know, played 81 games two seasons ago, played the full season last year, uh, you know, reached the 20 goal plateau for the first time. And I remember at the beginning of last season, we thought, you know, this guy, he, he could reach 30 if he if he gets the puck on net enough, and I mean, he has such a great shot. If he can find himself in some good positions, um, you know he can score a lot of goals. And I know for a bit there he was struggling, and then near the end of the season, that's when he started going, and it finally got to 20. And I still think if he gets put in the right situation, um, and, and you know he can create plays for himself and get in the right areas, I still think he can score 30 goals. I think if you have a, a release and, and and you know a shot like he has. Um, I think he has the ability to do that. I, I think he can definitely reach, you know, 20 or more again this season. But you know, there is a real potential there for for him still to to improve and, and get closer to the 30 goal mark. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think if they do keep that line together, there is a real chance. There's a real chance he gets, you know, 25 to 30 goals this next year. So I'm excited to see what he can do, and I hope that uh, they will keep that line together. And, you know, talking about breakout players, I mean, obviously Raquel also had a, a great season last year as well. Silverberg did. And we had another question here from Joshua. He asked, you know, who do we think will be the biggest breakout player this year? And uh, it, it's going to be interesting, Eddie. Uh, you know, I wrote an article on the Hockey uh, Writers and just put it out um, today on Labor Day. And uh, talking about Richie and the expectations, obviously he came up last season, played those 33 games, only had four points. Uh, he did much better in San Diego uh, with his 16 goals down there. So I, I look for him as one of the players I would think to hopefully have a breakout season. Um, as I talked about in that article too, is uh, you know the lineups are in flux right now. We don't really know what the lineups are going to be. Uh, I've seen some people posting things out there saying that oh, this is going to be the Ducks lineup. Well, it's not true. We don't really know what the lineup's going to be. Like we said, if we assume the Kessler lines together, uh, then we can look at a few things and and, and maybe we see Richie with uh, Perry and Getzoff next season, or maybe we see him with Raquel. Uh, you know, but even then, that depends on if uh, Carlisle wants to keep the twins together. So there's a lot up in the air. Um, but I think if he, whatever line Richie is on next season, if he can find some chemistry with that line, uh, continue to play his game, you know, use the size, go to the net, uh, I think he's a guy that can really impress next season and, and definitely do better at the NHL level. Yeah, you know, as of right now, you know, as the Ducks lineup is is at this point in time, and, and if they don't add anybody else, then, you know, the pressure is going to be put on him to, to produce and, and, and to score some goals and put up some points and improve on, on his season from last year. And I think if anybody has the ability and, and the potential to break out, and especially, you know, off his poor season offensively last year, it has to be Richie. I mean, We've seen him produce in the OHL. We've seen him even produce with the goals. And I think he just has to take that step forward now and, and really show that he can do it at the NHL level. And, and to be fair, I mean, we had Thomas mention the, to this to us um, earlier today. And, you know, that was his first professional season 
last year. I mean, before last year, he was playing in the Ontario Hockey League, and he stepped up to the AHL and the NHL this this year. So, you know, it's it's first professional season. He's getting used to everything, and I think if anybody has room to improve and, and have a, a breakout season, I think it would be Richie, um, you know, especially because, like you said, he only had the two goals and the two assists. Um, but, you know, we could also expect Shea Theodore if – he does get time, uh, you know, obviously with the way the defense are right now, he might spend most of his time in the AHL again. But, I mean, from what we saw last year in the 19 games that he played, we all assumed that he was ready. And obviously the games that he played um, in the playoffs as well. Um, I think he's a guy who could definitely have a breakout if he gets some more minutes and, and, and can play 30 to 40 games this year. I think he has a real potential to have a, a Shane Gostisbehere kind of impact uh, like he had uh, with Philadelphia this season. Um, and then I guess lastly, you know, kind of an outside the box one, uh, we haven't seen him play in the NHL yet. I know, especially Phil is, is really excited to, to see, uh, this guy come up and one of our writers and uh, Nick Kudillis. I think there's a good shot that, you know, if somebody goes down with injury, I think he could finally get a shot. You know, he's 22 now, um, you know, had a pretty decent season for the goals last year. Uh, he's starting to put up some more goals. I think if the if the Ducks are struggling for goals, there's a good chance that he comes up, and if he you know if he can produce, there's a good chance he could stay in the lineup. Yeah, I agree with both those names that you mentioned. I mean, Shea Theodore. Obviously, we saw what happened last season. And I think a lot of the season is going to depend on how the blue line unfolds. I mean, if the Ducks do make a trade, uh, you know, in this next month here and get that other forward that they want, then, you know, we're going to see a lot more of uh, Shea Theodore for sure. Or, you know, if somebody gets injured and goes down, we're going to see Theodore a lot more too. So uh, he's definitely uh, one to keep on the radar for sure that could come up and and perform. We saw how well he played on the power play. He's definitely, you know, a great two-way player defensively. So I agree with you there. I think it's just a matter of how much ice time is he going to see based upon the Ducks, you know, uh, blue line depth. And the other player you mentioned, uh, Nick Cordulis, you know, I have a friend that's uh, friends of Nick's. And uh, from what I've heard is Nick has been working out really hard and is really hungry this year. You know, as you said, he's, you know, 22. He's not, he's, you know, he's not 19, 20, 21, but, you know, he's, he's starting to get, you know, some years under his belt. And um, he really thinks that he's going to push and try and, you know, make it this year. And, and he has a good chance. I mean, we talked about the left wing depth of this team and, and there's not a lot of it you look at what the ducks are trying to do they still haven't gotten that scoring winger that they wanted um it's going to give richie a, a big opportunity as i mentioned in that hockey writers article but uh, you know i agree with you cordillas is another guy that could sneak up in there you know he didn't have a bad year in san diego at all um you know he played well scored goals and you know he could get a legitimate chance i mean he had 15 goals in 45 games in san diego you know, which, I mean, it was only behind a couple people on the entire team. So, yeah, I mean, he's another left winger to, to keep your eye on, Eddie, and I, I agree. I think, you know, uh, again, if uh, Richie maybe falters and uh, doesn't perform as well, or maybe there's, again, some kind of injury, uh, you know, obviously we don't hope for that, but I'm just saying if some of these things happen, he's another guy to watch, and he could be with the Ducks next year too. Yeah, and and like you said, it, it's another left wing, left shot guy that they've been looking for, and obviously that Murray hasn't been able to add through trade, like he mentioned before the draft. And you know, with Richie, is it, a guy we would expect to get the the first shot uh, out of training camp if if no trade is made. And you know, if he fails to to live up to that, I think Kudelis can get a, a shot for sure. And it's nice to have these guys. 
uh, to to be able to come up. I think a lot of us would like to see them come up. Obviously, you know, them trading for a, a top six winger would be beneficial to to the timeline that the Ducks are looking at right now. But you know, it's it's never a bad idea to give some of these guys a shot because you know they could come up and you never know what they could do. You know, and you talk about trading as well, and uh, we've had, a, you know, obviously a few more fan questions. Every week we get, you know, questions about um, pretty much Lindholm and Raquel and, and whether or not we're going to make a trade. <laughs> Those are, the, the, you know, the top two questions, which is understandable. We totally get that. So, you know, talking about the, the trading situation, because that would affect, you know, Richie's playing time and if Cordelis or Theodore, all I mean, it really affects all these guys, especially in San Diego, uh, for guys that are fighting to come up. Uh, you know, if we look at, you know what's out there right now, and we've mentioned this before, Eddie. It's really, really slim pickings. I mean, I, I don't really see a lot out there. Um, the the one team that you and I talked about really is the Rangers. I mean, that you know that's the team that they've got all their forwards signed. Um, you know, they could maybe trade a Kreider or something like that, uh, and the Ducks, you know, maybe could give Fowler in a draft pick or another defenseman in a draft pick. I don't know, but. Uh, you know, in terms of the Ducks doing anything, uh, you know, that's really the only team I look at. I, I don't know if you have any other teams out there that in mind, Eddie, but, uh, it, it, you know, it's tough. Slim pickings out there. Yeah, and if you look at most of the teams, most of them have 12 or 13 or, or 14 forwards signed, and that's usually what you like to sit around. The Rangers have 15, and you're the only other team higher than them. Uh, are the Winnipeg Jets, and, and most of their forwards are the young prospects they're expecting to come up and play, or older guys uh, in their late 20s and 30s who are you know more bottom six guys. So you know, looking for a trade there, it isn't the best option. There isn't a left wing like left shot since Andrew Ladd left that the Ducks could really look at. So it kind of leaves you with the New York Rangers, and you know they've had issues with their defense in the past. There are rumors that they're trying to move Mark Stahl and move Dan Girardi. Um, and, and they're kind of looking for that guy to fill their, the rest of their top four to play with those two guys and Ryan McDonough. And, you know, Fowler's been mentioned there before. Obviously, there was rumors with Detroit. Now, with their cap situation, you know, New York looks like the team that it could happen with. They they have nobody else to sign this year. They have only about $1.4 million in cap space, but it's enough to make a deal happen and you know would they want to move Kreider or Zuccarello that remains to be seen but those are the two players you would expect the Ducks to be looking at if they're looking for that top line or top six left winger and you know doesn't mean a deal is going to happen I don't think so um no it's a possibility it doesn't look like Rick Nash is moving anymore so then you've got three guys that are going to play on that left side that you know you, you've kind of you're gonna have to either move a guy to his off wing um, if, if you're not going to play all three of them. So there's a potential there. I mean, it is late in the season now, and, and it does something like this happen right now. It, it remains to be seen. But I think if any trade is going to happen, um, the most likely destination, and you know, obviously Murray can throw a curveball out of nowhere, but I think the most likely destination right now would, would definitely be the New York Rangers. And that leads us to more questions about trading. You know, we had Kelly asks about Fowler and, you know, what's going on with the situation. And, and obviously there's no real update. I mean, as we've talked about before, uh, the trade talks are very high in the uh, the draft. And, uh, you know, Anaheim had uh, been talking to Buffalo, trying to trade up and some other teams as well, and, and things didn't work out. So I don't really think much is going to happen, like you said. I, mean, I think Fowler's still one of them. Uh, you know, I think Dupre is another one possibly that could be moved. But I, I just think it's really tough right now for the Ducks to try and do anything. Um, I do think maybe the World Cup could have some kind of impact. You know, we've seen players. Uh, obviously, we mentioned Anderson getting injured. There's other players that aren't playing because they're already injured. Uh, you know, I, I don't see 
uh, you know, a great potential out there other than New York, as you mentioned. But it's you know, things can happen this next couple of weeks during the World Cup, and, and maybe the Ducks do try and move uh, you know Fowler to Prieti. Uh, that's what I would kind of uh, think that's going to happen. I, I don't otherwise see anything really uh, materializing. Yeah, and, and from what you've seen, it looks like Murray is comfortable with the fact that if he had to go into the season with Fowler and Vaughn and 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 you know most likely Lindholm and Biaxa and and Dupre and and Manson as his top six, and then obviously Stoner and Holter being the seven and eight guy, and that would push Theodore down to the AHL. And I, I think he's comfortable going into the season like that. Obviously, and, and you know we've heard this from him, and, and he's made this public that he would like to acquire that top six def, uh, defenseman, and that obviously right now having eight defensemen isn't the best situation, but he is comfortable going into the season with seven or eight defensemen. So that that is a possibility, and that's something that you could see, and it, and it would be nice for the ducks to to add another forward i think it would help them but you know these deals take time um and, and you know both teams have to agree on something that's going to work for both of them and right now you know as we've mentioned there's not a lot of options from from us looking you know from the outside uh, obviously the rangers are the one that makes sense right now you know toronto is still a possibility but you know it, i'm sure they've explored the idea of a james van dreamsdijk for for uh fowler deal and you would have thought if something was going to happen it would have happened by now but uh you know i think he's comfortable giving some of these young guys a shot giving richie giving cordillis giving nason a shot and seeing how they can do and you know if by the trade deadline or even before the trade deadline if it's not working out then maybe then you can decide to make a trade you know teams are always going to be interested in fowler and i think if you don't do it then, then you might be able to make a trade later on in the season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think uh, later on in the season is kind of the route we're going. And, and of course, you know, part of this whole thing uh, hinges on Raquel and Lindholm, which, of course, you know, we have a lot of fan questions about both those players again. Um, you know, a lot of people ask about well, if there's any updates or what's going on. And there really isn't, unfortunately. I mean, it's the same as it was last week. I mean, you know, the latest that I heard uh, from people at the Ducks is that they think Raquel is more likely to be signed first as opposed to Lindholm. Uh, obviously, Raquel's deal is, you know, most likely not going to be uh, worth as much as Lindholm's. Uh, might be a shorter deal uh, and less per year or both. But that's kind of where it's at. And they're both, you know, going to the World Cup of Hockey now to play, uh, along with Silverberg for Team Sweden. And that's another concern is uh, some of the fans have asked us about injuries and also whether or not, you know, them playing can affect their contract. And, you know, I, I don't really think it's going to affect it too much. I mean, it could a little bit if they if they both really shine and, and play very well. Um, it, it could, but, I mean, the talks have already been ongoing, so... Um, I, I don't think it's going to affect it too much. You know, I think the biggest thing for both of these guys is we just want them to stay healthy uh, through this tournament, Eddie. That way, uh, you know, there's no ramifications uh, hurting the Ducks come the NHL season. Yeah, and, and you got to look at it this way: they're not the only players going into the World Cup of Hockey without a contract. Obviously, some bigger names, even than them, and Johnny Goodrow and, and Nikita Kucherov, are both going into the tournament without contracts. You also have Rasmus Ristolainen, who's going to be going to the tournament as well, who doesn't have a contract. So there are other players in similar situations that will be going and don't have contracts signed yet. Um, I think it's a different situation this year with the World Cup of Hockey being right now and with the players wanting to just prepare for that and, and be ready for that tournament that, 
you know, they're not ready to engage in discussions right now when they're about to go play in the tournament, which is understandable, and I think it will push things back. Obviously, that's not the ideal situation for the GM and the team, um, but you have to take that into consideration when you're looking at the, the timeline right now and how long it's taking. Um, so, you know, we might not even see anything happen until the World Cup of Hockey. At least in the meantime, we will have some hockey to watch and be able to watch something while we're waiting for some news to come out. Um, but, you know, if a deal isn't signed before the tournament, I highly doubt it will be signed during the tournament. So it might be something you have to wait until, it, uh, you know, until early October and before anything is announced. You know, and that's just crazy that we're talking about it like this now, Eddie. I mean, we thought that both of these deals would be done, uh, you know, the end of August, maybe the beginning of September. And now here we are going into the World Cup of Hockey. And, I mean, both these deals may not be done until... Oh, you know, a week or two before the season, or a few days. I mean, this is this is some crazy stuff. I mean, the NHL, uh, you know, season's right around the corner. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's time to panic or anything like that. I mean, obviously they're going to be playing and keeping their skills up and whatnot. But uh, you know, I'm just a little bit surprised. I, I really thought, you know, if not both, at least one of these guys that he would have been signed already. Yeah, it is surprising. I mean, we, we talked about earlier how it's kind of similar to the Silverberg situation that it went later in August, and we'd expect it then. Um, and I think we've continually pushed it back and said, well, I mean, we would hope it would be soon. We'd expect something to happen. And now that we're so close to the World Cup of Hockey right now, um, you know, you would hope that something would be worked out at least with one of them before the tournament. But, you know, a lot of the news not coming out. We haven't heard much about from Raquel and Lindholm, and I don't know if it has, has to do with them being in Anaheim and with the media coverage being more focused on the two big names in, in Johnny Goodrow and Nikita Kucherov. But from what you've heard lately from those two is is they're fine going into to the tournament without a contract um and you know the, the negotiations are ongoing but Goodrow has said that he would like to just focus on the tournament and not deal with any of that right now and they'll, wor- they'll worry about it come the start of the season and from what we've heard recently as well as the Kucherov is okay doing the exact same thing so with the tournament being you know less than you know about a week or a week or two away still you know if nothing's announced by then you're looking at a little bit too close to to the start of the season for comfort for any of these guys to get a contract signed. Yeah, I agree. With you. I mean, if something doesn't happen in this next time before you know the World Cup, then like you said, you know Raquel and maybe like the other guys, and they want to focus on the tournament. And we may not hear anything till I mean the beginning of October. I know that's not the answer everybody out there wants to hear, but I mean, I I really hope that they get at least one of these guys that you worked out before then, but um, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen because once that tournament starts, I, I think, like you said, you know, they're going to be focused. Plus uh, you saw the photo that um, uh, we tweeted out uh, from one of the uh, Swedish uh, news sites. They're already over there, uh, you know, practicing doing their thing. So, you know, that's what makes it to me uh, think Eddie, that it's going to be less Something's going to get done because they're already, you know, engaged in skating. And, and as all the news has come out today, they, you know, they showed uh, uh, Perry practicing today, gets off as well, Team Canada. You got all the other players, you know, doing their thing this week. Um, so I, I don't really think something's going to happen. I mean, I really hope so, but <laughs> this is this is uh, kind of nerve wracking. I mean, you know, it's something that, uh, like we talked about, it's kind of holding up anything else if the Ducks are going to make a trade or get something else. Mm. And and just because they are at the tournament, you have to look at it this way too, doesn't mean that a deal can't be worked out. The deal obviously is discussed between the player, the agent, and, and the general manager. So the player doesn't have to be 
present necessarily for the deal to be made. I'm sure he they're in contact still with their agent, and then their agent is in contact with with the general manager. And I'm sure deals and everything are still being worked out. So there is still a chance that something could happen before the tournament starts. I'm sure discussions are going to be ongoing until it does start, especially between the the agent of Raquel Lindholm and and, uh, and Bob Murray. But um, yeah, I mean, it is an interesting situation with the World Cup of Hockey being so close and, and, you know, you're not used to having a tournament this close to the start of the season. So normally you'd be like, oh, okay, we have this amount of time before the season starts. It's just training camp. It's just preseason. You know, they'll, they'll be in Anaheim. We're able to have the player present and work on a deal. Well, it's a little bit different situation this year where, you know, they're going to be focusing on a tournament. And you know, the once that tournament starts, it's really, really unlikely that a deal would be announced during the tournament and distract the player away from it. So it's a weird situation, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, we we finally get some, at least one of them signed before the tournament starts, and they kind of relieve the pressure a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you. You make a good point. I mean, obviously, something can be done with them not here. I mean, obviously, the player agents have a huge role in this with the GM. So that's something that we're going to have to watch over this next week and a half or so before the tournament. And, you know, it kind of it leads into another question that we had from uh, Noah. He asked about, you know, this coming up season as far as the pieces that the Ducks have in their lineup and if they can go, you know, the distance of the Stanley Cup. And, I mean, it's difficult. Uh, I have another article that I'm writing actually about this that's going to come out Hockey Writers 2 later this week. And um, it, it's just difficult right now, Eddie, because uh, they have the same situation. We don't have Raquel and Lindholm nailed down. I mean, I think they will get the deals done and stay in Anaheim. I'm pretty hopeful of that. That's just my own opinion. There's no, no information. That's just what I, I think will happen. But as far as this upcoming season and, and the way that the Ducks are going to approach it, there's a lot of variables coming up this season. You have, a, you know, uh, what's old as new, as I call it, is uh, Randy Carlisle's back. Um, the line combinations, like we said earlier in the show, are, are, we don't know. They're, I mean, they could be all over the place. And if the Ducks get another player uh, somehow, then they're going to change again. So um, it's going to be an interesting season uh, for sure. Um, I think the Ducks are a good team. I, I think the, we talked about the Pacific Division last week and previewed it. We think they're still going to be up there battling it out with San Jose and L.A., most likely for the, the, the top of the division. But as far as going the distance and winning the Stanley Cup, I, I don't think their chances are as good as they were the last four years. I mean, they brought in a few players, but they also lost some. Uh, you know, uh, Perron and McGinn are the two big ones, and to my mind, that were unfortunate because they could have been 20 goal scorers. But um, it's going to be difficult. I, like I said, I think they'll do well. But, you know, unless some things get straightened out as far as the chemistry with the lines, Carlisle's coaching, um, you know, there's just a lot up in the air, Eddie. I, I think it's going to be a fun season, but it's, it's going to be nerve-wracking, uh, you know, with what the current roster is right now. Yeah, and, and you know, they still – like we've mentioned before, especially last week when we talked about the Pacific Division, you know, the core is still there. This team is still going to be competitive, but, you know, on paper right now, are they better than they were last year? I think most of us can agree that they aren't. Um, and, you know, where we got worse, a lot of teams got better. Uh, you know, San Jose got better. They improved from, from where they were last year. Um, you know, Dallas got better. They added Yuri Hoodler. You know, they're going to have Sagan healthy for the whole season, hopefully for them. Uh, you know, St. Louis is going to be good again. Chicago is obviously going to be good again. Um, L.A. maybe got a little bit worse, but they're still going to be up there. And then the teams in the bottom, you know, Nashville is going to be interesting to see how they work with adding Subban. 
Uh, we'll see how Boudreaux does with Minnesota as well. Colorado has a new coach. Uh, Winnipeg, it, we'll see how they do with Patrick Laine, and obviously they've signed Shifley long-term, so that will help them out there. And Calgary and Edmonton, it's going to be interesting to see how they do, um, especially, you know, like McDavid, full season McDavid for Edmonton. It's going to be... It's going to be tough. I mean, a lot of people improved, and the Ducks right now are sitting in a worse spot than they were at the beginning of last season. So um, I think they can still make the playoffs, but it's going to be a lot tougher than it was. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you there. And I, I think one of the biggest concerns we have to look at, Eddie, is it's really the offense. I mean, obviously the Ducks did well on the special teams last year. They were first in both of those. Uh, the defense was you know, outstanding, obviously, with uh, Gibson and Anderson. You know, they gave up the league lowest, 188 goals. So, I mean, you have those two aspects that are great. Uh, you know, Randy Carlisle focuses on on faceoffs and defense and special teams. So, I think the Ducks are going to be good in all those areas. I'm just really concerned about the forecheck, and and that's what I want to see because this lineup that you have, I mean, if you keep the Kessler line together, you're still going to have three other lines that are not really the same. I mean, you know, you you could keep pairing gets off together and you add one more guy, okay, but I mean, it, it's still going to be up in the air. Uh, it, it just there's just too many variables right now in my mind, and I think that the Ducks are going to have to work out a lot of these kinks in the preseason, and unfortunately, I think in the month of October and November, too, to get the lines down, the chemistry down, and I'm just really hoping that we don't have this horrific you know, scoring drought in the first couple months because I, I think with this team, if that happens, I think digging out of it, Eddie, is going to be even more difficult than with the team they had last year. Yeah, and I think we're going to see a lot of tight games unless somebody really impresses. I think we're going to be relying on Corey Perry a lot more than we did even last year. I think he's going to have to not, he can't have a start like he did last year. He just he it can't happen this year with the lack of scoring depth that we have. You know, Silverberg is going to have to get going. Uh, when, when Raquel gets signed, he's going to have to get going. They're going to have to improve on the twenty goals they had last year, and you're going to have to get goals from other from from depth in the lineup. You're going to have to get goals from Cogliano. You know, Getzlaff is going to have to not have the slump that he had last year and hope that he gets close to fifteen or twenty this year, and that that's going to be something that helps out. Kessler as well. You're gonna to have to get goals from all across the whole lineup. It's not like where we're gonna rely on one or two guys to score forty or fifty goals. It's not like you're gonna expect, you know, uh, like in Chicago and expect Kane and and Hosa or Kane and Panarin to score like twenty or like thirty, forty goals, fifty goals in a season. You're gonna to have to get goals from across the lineup, especially if we don't add anybody else. And people are gonna to have to impress some of the new guys, you know, Vermette. And, and Raymond and some of the younger guys and, and Richie and what we talked about with Nason as well, they're going to have to come up and, and contribute to the, the lineup too. And if we can get, you know, three, four or five guys who score at least 20 goals this season, I think we'll be okay. But, you know, there's there's no way that the key guys, especially Perry and Silverberg um, and Raquel can struggle at the beginning of the season. Or like you said, we're going to have a goal drought and, and it's going to be similar to the start of last season. Yeah, I think you touched on a good point there, Eddie, about the secondary scoring. I mean, if you look at this team, uh, like you said, besides Perry Getzloff and Kessler, uh, you know, you look at Silverberg and Raquel, they're going to have to do well again. And then after that, I mean, like you said, you have Cogliano, Vermette, uh, Garbett, 
uh, Raymond, and you know Wagner too. I mean, we've seen Wagner. Obviously, he usually plays on that fourth line role, but I mean, he he popped a few goals when he was in Colorado. He's going to have to start doing that too in Anaheim as well. And like you said, it, you know, this team is going to have to produce uh, all four lines. They're really going to have to try and score, which it's going to be difficult because I know Carlisle likes to have his, you know, fourth line kind of the grinding type line. So, uh, you know, maybe it'll be three lines we have to rely on. But, uh, you know, everybody's going to have to provide scoring, like you said. And if the Ducks don't get secondary scoring, you know, we're going to be in for a haul. I mean, we're going to see, you know, Gibson's going to be fine in net. I'm not worried. I know some people are, you know, still concerned about that. And, you know, and I I get it. It's a valid point with Anderson gone. But I I think if Gibson plays like he did in the middle of the season and towards the end last year, he's going to be fine. Um, You know, come playoff time is what we're going to have to worry about with this entire team. But as far as the regular season goes, if we can get a balanced attack from at least three of the lines, then I think we have a really good chance, Eddie. Yeah, and, and it's going to most likely be defensive hockey. And obviously we don't know how Carlisle is going to approach this season and how he's going to coach the team to play. Um, it's the first time in a long time that we're going to have a different style um, than Boudreaux has had. And, and we might not see as much forecheck. We might see a different style of hockey. But when you just look at the lineup and you look at you know, obviously Getzlaff is one of the best passers in the league. You know, Perry is a creative player for sure. So is Silverberg and Raquel. But, you know, Kessler, more of a defensive center. Vermette, more of a defensive center. Coglano's more of a two-way guy. Garbert, you know, Thompson, even Raymond and Wagner. You know, not a lot of guys who are going to be flashy. We're, we're not going to see, you know, Detroit Red Wings style hockey. We're not going to see up and down the ice you know, quick passes and, and, and puck possession. We might not see that as much as we saw it last year. Um, and it, it might be, it all depends on how the, the coach approaches to, to, to playing with the team that he has. And we'll have to see how that is. I mean, we're going to have to rely on a lot more guys to be creative. I, I don't think we have to worry about Raquel obviously being creative. He, he showed that last year that he could do that. You know, Silverberg showed that too in, in, in Perry as well. But, you know, it, it's going to be tough to rely on three or four guys to, to, to create most of the offense for the Ducks. So, it, it's like you said, and, and like we mentioned for the last few minutes, that it's going to be key to get offense from three or if not four lines. And it'll be interesting to see how Carlisle decides to split up, you know, if he decides to split up Getzloff or Perry, or if he decides to split up the Kessler line and, and move those creative players up and down the lineup. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think this, the, the two biggest questions is, the, you know, keeping the Kessler line together. Um, I, I could see him maybe moving Cogliano around in the lineup. But I would like to at least see Kessler and Silverberg stay together because they've really done well together. I mean, they did great, you know, two years ago in the postseason, and they've done good in the regular season uh, last you know year as well. So I'd, I'd like to see those two at least stay together. Uh, the more complicated one, I guess, would be Getzoff and Perry because you know last season we saw both. We saw them together. And then we saw them playing with all kinds of different people. We saw you know Garbutt up there playing with them. We saw um, Stewart. Uh, up there we um also saw him split we saw Getzoff playing with Stewart and Perron and then we saw Raquel and Perry playing together with McGinn at times so that's another idea is, is do you really do you put Perry with Getzoff or do you put him with Raquel I think that's something else that's going to be key this season and see what Carlisle does with that because um you know that could change the lineup dramatically depending on which way you go Eddie and then you got to figure out what the rest of the forwards you know if you put Raquel and Perry together um, that's fine, but then you're going to have to figure out who you're going to put with Getzloff because you know Perron and Stewart are gone. Yeah, and, and really, I think 
I think you start the season with them together and you see how it works out. I mean, the reason they were split up last year is because we were getting no offense and they were too predictable and you could shut down Getzlaff and Perry in that line and there was no offense coming from the rest of the lineup. And the moment we split them up from there on, you were getting offense from Getzlaff's line, which was a threat. You were having to deal with uh, Kessler's line, which was a threat. And then you were having to deal with Raquel and Perry, which was a threat. So having those three lines, and we mentioned this out of countless times last year, how many teams had to had nightmares matching up against the Ducks because you had to match against three lines with, you know, Argo, you know, superstars on each line almost with Getzlaff on one line and Kessler on another line and Perry on another line. Um, but I think I think it would be good to start them together at the beginning of the season and see how it works out and, and how it works out in the new style. I think it'll be ideal for Perry to start with Getzlaff and hope that he can start out strong at the beginning of the season and, and that it works out. Um, but, you know, if we are, if they're having issues again, I'm not opposed to breaking them up. But like you mentioned, who plays with Getzlaff then? If you play uh, Raquel with, with, with Perry, there's no, you know, you could move Silverberg up there, uh, but there's no real guys who can complement Getzlaff uh, other than Silverberg. Uh, so it's an interesting situation to be in, obviously, with no Perron and, and no McGinn and no Stewart this year. So some guys are going to have to fill the role if they end up splitting up uh, the Twins. Yeah, and I think uh, for the fans, you're just going to have to hang on. I, I think, you know, October, November, uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I hope it's better than last year, but, um, you know, it's a little bit of nervous time. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the team comes out in the beginning. Um, obviously, the World Cup plays a factor into that, as we've talked throughout the show. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to be out there and doing our best as well. And, and it kind of uh, leads to our last uh, fan question, which is kind of interesting because it's a, it's a fan question about the fans uh, from Greg. And he asks, you know, do the Anaheim fans, uh, you know, get underappreciated, basically, you know, compared to Canadian fans or East Coast fans and also the players? And, I think it's an interesting question because he also references Hiller, and we all know about the comments he made too, Eddie. And, you know, in the conversations I've had with the players and whatnot, I, I, I don't, and the people at the Ducks, I don't think the, the fans are underappreciated at all. I don't really think that's the case um, in terms of, of how we are when we're there and we're interacting and doing the things that we are. I think the team knows about the fans and appreciates it. I think it's just a different fan base. I mean, you look at uh, where you're at in Toronto. The fans are, you know, they're nuts over hockey up there. I mean, Montreal, Vancouver, Winnipeg, I mean, all those places, you know, Chicago, those types of cities, uh, they're just really into their hockey up there. And uh, I, I think that's just really the difference, Eddie. I, I don't know if the fans are underappreciated, but I think the fans are a little bit different, especially with, you know, so much that uh, Southern California has to offer. Yeah, and and that's where you're, you're right on with it being a different type of fan base there. With the Ducks, you have, from what I've noticed from outside, you have the core fans where you know they're dedicated, and then you have it kind of dissipates from there. Where there are people who are fans, and there's nothing wrong with it, but you know they're not 100% just hockey. You know, there's, and, and that's the same in any fan base, but it's like a small group dedicated to to the fan base, and then it kind of dissipates from there. Where you look at Toronto or or Montreal, and it's just years and years and years of history and people growing up and and being Leafs fans from their family and being Habs fans from from their family and 
just the the history behind it and and you know the, this is a different type of feeling to it and there's nothing wrong with it obviously the ducks are a younger team and over you know over the time when their franchise when the ducks franchise is 100 years old we'll have all the history and everything and it will be similar but you know right now with a younger fan base it's it's definitely different and i don't i don't think it's underappreciated from 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 up here um I, there's actually a, you know surprisingly there's a lot of ducks fans up here and i'm you know, I mean, that might be because they're a newer team, and, and a lot probably has to do with with Disney and the Mighty Ducks and everything like that. But I don't think they're they're underappreciated. I think it, like you said, it, it is just a different type of fan base. It's a different hockey market, um, so it's not the exact type same situation. But I think um, I think uh, they appreciate the fans, and and I think you know more so it, it, it's a more dedicated fan base than you would see almost anywhere else it's just, it's got to be the same obviously in LA and in San Jose as well and any of those markets even in the Florida markets as well where hockey isn't number 1 but the fans who do show up and do buy season tickets and and do attend the games and everything like that it's a more dedicated fan base because it's such a it's such a small smaller close knit uh compared to like the wide fan base of the like say the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, there are, you know, hardcore, diehard fans like you and I, and there's a whole bunch of others. I, I mean, I talk to them all the time. Obviously, there's Facebook groups on there that, you know, we have a lot of fans in there. And, you know, I think part of it is uh, the media, too, because, you know, in, in Canada, the media is really on the hockey players. So I think that's part of it. That's the difference, too. And, you know, in Southern California, there's there's so much going on down here. You've got three baseball teams. Uh, you now have two football teams with the you know the Rams back, so you've got that going on. You've got basketball with the Lakers and the Clippers, so you've got all this stuff going on down here. And it's nothing against Canada, but I mean Canada doesn't you know some of the cities have baseball or basketball, or whatever, but they don't have all. I mean we have everything down here. There's everything. If you like a certain sport, I mean we have soccer too. Like you know Eddie, I know you're a big soccer fan. We we've got that too. So. There's a lot of different things that are going on down here. I, I don't think the fans are underappreciated at all. Uh, I know the players are very appreciative of them um, and everything that they do. Uh, I think it's more of a, a media thing, if anything. I, I think the players like the fact that the media isn't on them as much down here, if anything. And that, that to me, is really the, the biggest thing that I hear when I talk to different people, uh, either from the organization or the players, Eddie. Yeah, and, and you've heard that from players, too. Uh, I know I heard in, in a... Uh... And in a, I think it was an interview with Tyler Sagan, he said, or or maybe even Jamie Benn. They said they like the fact that they can walk down the street in Dallas and people don't swarm them. They'd be like, oh, there's the the hockey guy. And then you know, if Tony Romo walks down the street, people swarm him because it's a football city. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think that's the difference when you when you look at you know the LA market and the California market, and you look at the, the Canadian sports market as well. Is like you mentioned, there's baseball teams, there's multiple baseball teams, there's multiple basketball teams, there's multiple hockey teams, even there's soccer teams, all in this small area in the California market. And then you look at Canada, and there's you know there's multiple hockey teams, but not not in this, the same aspect. There's you know Toronto and Montreal and and there's uh, you know all the senators all in the Ontario region. Then it spreads out, but there's one basketball team, and there's one baseball team, and there's a couple soccer teams, and 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 it's all spread out, and and it's a little bit different. So the 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 hockey markets are spread out wider than any of the other ones because you know there's like like I said, there's only one other team for baseball, and there's not a lot as much to focus on. So hockey gets a brunt of the focus, especially during you know even even in the off season, a lot of the Canadian teams get more coverage than anything else because there's not much going on 
So I can you can see it from that aspect where the fan base is either dedicated to the Ducks and then it dilutes out because there's so many other sports to follow from there. Yeah, I agree with you on everything you said. And I think just the one last thing is, you know, I, I think the players here, at least in some of the conversations I've had, they actually appreciate the fact that the fans aren't, you know, too crazy about it. Like you said, you know, it's you, you, they can go out somewhere and have dinner and not have 500 people go, oh, Getz loves eating at this restaurant. You know, it's not as crazy like that. So I think that they l- like the fact that the fans are into hockey here, but that they're not, you know, overly into it. So that's what I've heard from some of the guys. And uh, I think the base of our fans has been good, and I think it's strong, and I think it's going to keep growing, like you said, as, as time goes on and we have, you know, more seasons under the belt. It's just going to continue to grow, and obviously the Ducks have been doing well, you know. Um, ever since winning the Stanley Cup, we've had great seasons. We just haven't won the Cup again. So I think that's what we're, you know, most concerned about is hopefully they can get back there and win it. Um, and like I said, I have an article coming out in a couple of days talking about that as well. And uh, with that, there's really not too much more going on. Uh, the Ducks did get, you know, the new fresh sheet of ice out there. They uh, were out there painting. Some of our friends were out there doing the, the red line and the blue lines. Um, so there's some of the photos out there that the Ducks posted and then we reposted um, with uh, the proper credit and everything, Eddie. And uh, we made sure that uh, that's out there for you. And, and the Ducks diehards kit's coming up soon, too, as well. Uh, it looks like Corey Perry uh, is going to be the bobblehead there. Um, you know, you're going to be able to get uh, several other players, uh, Getzloff and Kessler, during the regular season as well. So they're going to have that coming up. And uh, not this week, but uh, next week we'll start our contest where we're going to give away tickets to uh, opening night. So look for that, and we'll talk about all the details next week. And, uh, you know, hopefully when we come back next week, we'll, um, you know, preview the World Cup of Hockey, and, you know, maybe we'll have a move or two, Eddie. But uh, until then, uh, I hope you had a good holiday weekend, those of you celebrating Labor Day. And uh, we'll see you next week. Let's go Ducks.